Hello everyone, welcome back to Duel of the Takes. Today, we are ranking James Cameron's filmography as a director, not as a producer. If we did it as a producer, I think we'd be here all day, but we are doing his... Uh, Point Break would win. Maybe. We are doing his uh, narrative feature films, none of his documentaries. He's a big IMAX guy, so he's had four documentaries released in IMAX. We aren't counting those. We are specifically talking about his narrative feature films, um, the first one being... Piranha 2, and the most recent one being Avatar. Uh, we are doing this out of sheer anticipation and excitement for the upcoming release of Avatar 2 in Untitled Year. I was going to be like, what are you talking about? The blockbuster Facebook said Avatar came out in 2014. Avatar 2. <laughs> That's so cursed. <laughs> to answer your question about the book of Boba, he's the executive producer of every episode. Not James Cameron, Robert Rodriguez. Rodriguez, yes. Well, that's another director we're going to have to uh, do rank uh, the filmography of at some point, because that would be a very disjointed list, I think. I'd have to watch a lot of Machete. The Machete movies are fun. I am excited to see Machete Kills again in space whenever that comes out. Speaking of things I can't wait for, I cannot wait to hear what everyone's top uh, movies are here. And uh, I'm, I'm personally really excited for this list. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, James Cameron hasn't made a bad movie, in my opinion. I know we've got only eight movies to rank here, but I'm excited to, uh, to see how this shapes out. Because uh, my top four is all interchangeable. I think he's made four masterpieces. I think he's made three. I can agree with three. Probably not the same three. But <laughs> <laughs> probably all different. <laughs> Uh, this, this list is going to start out so chill, and then it's going to become a mess, I know it. Let's see how chill it starts. Uh, I, I don't think either one of you have seen what you have at number eight. I've seen all of these. Oh, okay. Well, what's your number eight, Alden? Piranha 2. The Spawning? <laughs> Why is this James Cameron's worst movie? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the movie's like, whatever. I don't actually mind it. No, it's bad. I put it at the last place because they had to... Because of how they bred these piranhas, they had to kill them after the movie. The actual physical piranhas? Yeah. Yeah. They can't release them. Keeping them in captivity is dangerous. They just, they had to kill them. And is this is this is a bad thing? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It's kind of a shame that actual animals had to die in the making of this movie. And now, thanks to CGI, we didn't have to kill a whole planet to make Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to CGI, our friend Rob gave that Harrison Ford movie five stars. Oh, the, the Call of the Wild or whatever with the fucking CGI dog? Yeah. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Unironically. I felt bad giving Cruella three stars. <laughs> yeah, speaking of CGI dogs. Um, yeah, no, Piranha 2's fine. I mean, I guess, like, the behind the scenes is definitely problematic and very unfortunate. Um... But, I, I mean, as a Jaws ripoff, it's better than the first Piranha, in my opinion. I think that the action sequences are better. The characters are awful. You, you, like, I, you don't relate to like the, the main chick or her ex-husband or the boyfriend. I feel like the, the stunts are pretty cool. The explosions at the end are cool. You kind of see like the groundwork for what James Cameron would go on to do later, as dumb as this movie is and as predictable as it is. It kind of feels very similar to uh, Alien 3 when we were ranking David Fincher movies, where it's like, oh, here's a cash grab like studio project. Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely conflicting, I will say that. It's definitely not a terrible movie, though. 
there's definitely worse B movies of this era for sure. Okay. I think it's right where it's supposed to be though. Yeah. Yeah, it only makes sense. Number 8, Piranha 2: The Spawning. Alden, you went first. Josh, oh, by the way, we do all have a veto that we can use up until the top 3. So, uh, Josh, what do you have at number 7? Something safe that won't piss anybody off. I want to say a movie but I know you feel strongly about it. You don't have to put Titanic this low, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I know you like Pearl Harbor better. Pearl Harbor, mm, that's a discussion when we rank Michael Bay movies. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to ranking Michael Bay's filmography. <laughs> Fuck it, I'm gonna say it. Avatar. Mm, mm -mm. No way. No way. Number seven? Cringe. Uh, you want to veto first, Alden, or should I? Yeah, I'll veto. Um, I don't know if you'll like the veto, but... That's fine. I'm thinking True Lies here. Okay. I, I do like this movie. It's one of those... It's one of those types. It's a Schwarzenegger movie. It's pretty funny. Action-packed. Like, I don't know. I think it's one of the last good Arnold Schwarzenegger action movies. Yeah. I'm trying to think of ones that came out after this. This was... True Lies was 1994. And it's definitely, like, it, it's definitely, like, mainstream action comedy. So, like, the action set pieces aren't something like that of, like, Commando or the Terminator sequels or anything like that in terms of, like, all over the place. It's very much kind of like a, like an R-rated family movie, if that makes sense. I don't know. I feel like a comparable movie today would be something along the lines of, like, a Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, not a, uh, <laughs> uh you know, like a, like a... Uh, mission impossible if that makes sense yeah yeah that being said i love true lies uh i think it is a somewhat flawed movie the dynamic between arnold schwarzenegger and jamie lee curtis is like what the movie's all about uh absolutely one of jamie lee curtis's like best roles ever she's hilarious in the movie she's also like really hot in the movie even though she's like pushing 50 at the time it's it's an impressive like performance bro bill paxton's in this yeah yeah yo <laughs> and then tom arnold's like the fucking neighbor next door guy he's a fucking cuck it's great like there's there's some really great moments in this movie charlton heston shows up for a bit sounds a lot better than avatar uh-uh but it's funny so my only problem with this movie is like the third act like everything up into there where you have like oh he's trying to like keep his like spy life hidden from his wife and daughter everything up until when the the daughter gets kidnapped and then it's like this like rush to the end kind of blow up the helicopter with an rpg like it gets a little too over the top toward the end where i liked the character kind of comedy stuff more in the beginning i would have this a little bit higher personally it's in my top five but I'd much rather see True Lies here than Avatar. So I'm going to cast my vote for True Lies. Uh, Josh, why is Avatar this low for you? I've just never been a big fan of Avatar. Um, it just feels like, to me, that like James Cameron like tried to make this like big sci-fi movie that was extremely successful for a while. For a decade, it was the most successful movie of all time. And when it comes to that sense, he definitely succeeded. Um, but I do think the movie's very flawed. I don't think it has any memorable characters. I think the world of Pandora, it's fine. It looks cool, I guess. I, 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 I never found, like, that world all that interesting. Um, and the plot, I mean, I, yeah, you could, there's the theming of it. You could say, like, it's, 
pretty good, but I don't know. I look at that plot and I'm like, I don't know. Return of the Jedi did this like 30 years ago. That's the thing that's easiest to kind of bash about the movie in hindsight is that the story itself is so fucking bland. But I mean, in the same point, you bring up Return of the Jedi. So like Star Wars, so is Harry Potter. I mean, it's following the, the monomyth to a T, just like those stories. I do agree the characters could be stronger. And I think that's the reason I do have it as low as I have it. But there's so many things in Avatar that, I mean, for a, a blockbuster, for a showcase, like, spectacle movie, which we'll talk about later, that's what Cameron's known for making. That's James Cameron's whole brand. This, I think, pushed cinema to where we're at now. I think, like, this is like a springboard into the types of movies we get now, whether that be better or worse. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that this movie has actually, I, I think it's aged quite well. In a lot of ways. I hate to, like, make this a Star Wars argument, but I feel like the argument of movies now that are like Avatar, I feel like you kind of, I kind of got to give more credit to that to the Star Wars prequels, if anything. The CGI environments and everything, like, I feel like it started there. And, like, I don't know, I look at something like Avengers Endgame and, like, these big blockbuster movies, and, like, to me, that's kind of where it started was that era in cinema. And Avatar definitely was one of the pieces of that, but I don't think it's that big of an inspiration that it inspired like this whole next generation of what blockbusters is because it did become very forgettable and like it's now become a joke of when this next sequel's coming out and that James Cameron's going to probably work on these uh for the rest of his career it's i don't know it, time will time will tell uh what these avatar sequels are too maybe i'm wrong and we are like we're looking at the biggest franchise ever in a couple of years yeah, that's like one one thing I'd like to point out is its box office did not require 23 previous movies to make sure that it like got that amount. But we've had so much achievements in IMAX since then is a sequel to that. Like how much of that how much of the movie itself made the money and not the spectacle of it? I definitely think it was really smart marketing and really really good um like advertising at least here in the states. But, I mean, uh, most of the money was done, like, internationally. And I think that's kind of where the inspiration comes from. Because the Star Wars prequels didn't do, ex like, exceptionally great overseas. Beyond just the CGI environments and characters, I, I agree. The, the Star Wars prequels kind of made that happen. I think they did it a little too soon, but they were like, whatever, we're just going to commit and do that. And I, I would agree, uh... But you look at the movies that kind of followed that up, followed up the Star Wars uh, prequels, you've got the Indiana Jones, T Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Attack of the Killer Ants, which I love. I love that movie. I, I do. <laughs> That's the kind of bland CGI environments, monsters, and characters that you'd expect post-Star Wars. This Avatar was another step, taking those those assets, but focusing on a story that was vague enough that was bland enough to relate to audiences all over the world not just people in the states familiar with a pre-existing franchise we'll definitely be talking about terminator a little bit later but i think the terminator sequels kind of show how to do both in terms of ap appealing to a wide wide audience like the entire world like the genesis was so popular in China because it's a pre-existing IP, but it also has a very bland, easy-to-follow story 
that people immediately get hooked into. And that's what I think Avatar does so right. It also is, like, bold as hell to make America the villains of the movie. It's the highest grossing movie of all time, or at least was until two years ago, and then it surpassed Endgame again. So it's still the highest grossing movie of all time, which is wild. That Chinese re-release right at the new year was a very smart power play from Cameron in the studio, I will say that. It seems like the true lies is going here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unfortunately. I don't want to see either one here, but I think that's the way the cookie crumbles this week on Duel of the Takes. Number eight is Piranha 2, <laughs> and number seven is True Lies. Don't believe his lies. Don't believe his true lies. <laughs> Piranha 2. <laughs> if this was a tier list, there would definitely be a couple of blank tiers in between Piranha 2 and True Lies. I just want to say that for the record, Piranha 2 The Spawning is... uh. Not Kino. <laughs> <laughs> Lay off the weed. All right. My turn here at number six. My number six is a big old scorching hot take. So I guess I'm going to say what I have at seven instead. Um, I have the abyss here at number, uh, seven, uh, number seven. I'm going to try to place it at six. Ugh, man. I like the abyss a lot. I think the production design is amazing. And I think... This is the first movie James Cameron made after Terminator. Wait, no, no, no. Aliens was first. He makes Terminator, makes a grounded sci-fi, uh, like, thriller, essentially. It's more of a horror movie than, it, I would say, an action movie, although it has those elements as well. And then decides to make a sequel to Ridley Scott's Alien, makes Aliens, which is taking a horror movie and... Uh, flipping on flipping the sequel on its head into turning that into a giant action movie. And Aliens is fun. It's a great, great action movie. I don't love that movie. He then follows it up with another science fiction kind of... I don't want to call it like a monster movie because it's not, but the advertising for this movie was very, very weird. And uh, you look at reviews of the time, like uh, Roger uh, Ebert and Gene Siskel, their review of... Um, the Abyss is hilarious because they didn't know it was an alien movie. Uh, like there was, they avoided the the main set piece of the movie. You find out in the first four minutes of the movie that these characters have contacts have had contact with aliens, and it's uh it's very odd. It's a very unique sci-fi movie. I just don't think it's one that. I could go back to as frequently as other movies on this list, even ones that I don't like as much. I think The Abyss is really, uh, really ambitious. I love the production design, and I think this is where James Cameron kind of shifted to being a a spectacle over story um, and over characters kind of filmmaker for me. Um, the The effects in this movie are awesome. It feels very. It feels more like a follow-up to something like Close Encounters of the Third Kind than it does following the trajectory of The Terminator and Aliens for Cameron. I feel like this is a bit more heady um, and a bit more, like, cerebral sci-fi, and I really enjoy the movie, but it was my number seven. What's your take, Alden? You sound disappointed it's getting placed this low. Yeah. I don't know what I can say about it because my veto is gone, but... I would veto for you, Alden, but... You have a Titanic agenda. I don't have a Titanic agenda. I don't care where it goes. I just am not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't place it here either. Maybe I would. I don't know. I just... The entire idea of this is something I really like. And the fact... Like, the way it was filmed. The, everything everything about it. It just... It's very interesting. Stories, whatever. Characters are whatever. 
but there's not been really anything else like it since this came out yeah that's true and i I don't know there's there's something to be said about that because you can't just release this and then nobody copy it because this is a great movie it's not bad by any means he's did worse with piranha too yeah i i guess this is kind of becoming relevant again because this probably has the most amount of underwater cinematography of all of james cameron movie movies until um the upcoming avatar 2 whenever that happens I think all of that work is very, very impressive. And uh, seeing where Cameron went later with Titanic and with these uh, IMAX documentaries about searching the, the ocean, you can tell that there's like a lot of passion behind this story. And, and uh, I like that the main characters are all like, um, like they're like oil workers or like oil rig workers. They're like uh, that Mark Wahlberg movie where like the, sh- the thing blows up. Deepwater Horizon. That's a pretty good movie. They're like distant future versions of that job. And they are sent on like a search and rescue mission. And I just love the twists and turns that the story takes because it sounds like a kind of schlocky 90 minute action movie or like suspense movie. But it goes on for quite a while. This is a pretty long movie, if I remember correctly. It's like over two hours. It's 139 minutes. So two hours and 20 minutes long. I mean, for the late 80s, that's pretty long for a genre movie like this. Yes. And uh, I think it's probably one of Cameron's most underrated movies. I just don't think it's one that I would go back to super frequently. Whereas, like, the top five, top six movies on here, I could turn on at any moment despite their incredibly long run times and have a great afternoon. Yeah, I don't know. This is the opposite for me. Uh, most of Cameron's movies I won't really return to frequently, but The Abyss is one I really like and will watch frequently. I, I don't know. Hmm. I kind of want to veto myself. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a duel that takes first. Yeah, the Abyss is my number one. Fuck. <laughs> Damn, I feel like the villain this episode. <laughs> you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Maybe I will continue my... Should I rewind time this? Because I have another hot take if I don't place the Abyss here. We can have a big fish clause here. That's fine. What are we big fish clausing for? What were you going to say? Aliens. Oh, that's fine. I was thinking the same thing. I don't care. Sweet. Aliens is what I have at number six. There's a lot of love for Aliens. I think there's tons of people that would have this like number one, number two. I just never got it. Like, I never understood why to take... The trajectory of the Aliens franchise has confused me my entire life. The first Alien movie is one of the best horror movies of the 70s and is an incredibly atmospheric and suspenseful movie. We talked about how great the trailer was last week on the show. (laughs) Yeah. It's seriously like one of those lightning-in-a-bottle movies. I think it's up there with, like, Jaws in terms of blockbusters that shaped modern cinema. But Aliens is like, hey, we're gonna have the same characters and same universe, but it's this time a dumb action movie. And I think the characters and all of that is really interesting, but the setting, the suspense... It's all gone. It's a it's a paint by numbers action movie after that. And it's not like something like Terminator where you feel like there's a lot at stake. It's just like, oh, all these characters are going to die again like they died in the first movie if they don't win this like fight. You know, there's nothing there's no there's no stakes, there's no consequences. I guess following Sigourney Weaver's character again, uh, uh Ripley is cool, but that's not enough to like 
ground me into as big of a shark jump as the sequel is. Even for the people that have Aliens as, like, their number one or whatever, I think we can all agree that the Alien franchise hasn't been the same since this movie. For all the good it does, and also for the franchise moving forward, it brought in a lot of negatives. Everything that I like about, like, The Abyss is, like, the opposite of Aliens. I think they're probably two of the most different movies on here. Because, like, not that The Abyss is entirely, like, thought-provoking or anything like that, but it's definitely, like I said, a lot headier. It's a lot less of an action movie, whereas, like, Aliens takes a relatively simple concept. It's a slasher in space, and then it's just like, okay, but now everyone's got guns, and there's a whole fuck-ton of aliens, and then these space marines are gonna kill them. It's like, I I don't know, it's weird. It would be like if, like... Quentin Tarantino decided to make Scream 2, and it's like a cops versus robbers thing with some guys in ghost face masks. <laughs> that's that's like what how I can best describe what Aliens is to someone who hasn't seen it. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you guys heard the, the meeting on how James Cameron got Aliens made? No. No. They were having like a studio meeting, and... James Cameron was like, I'm coming in with, like, a pitch. This was right after Piranha 2 had made a lot of money for them. So right after the Terminator, he got the fun- he used the funding from Piranha 2 and a lot of his own personal savings to make the Terminator. You know, he was kind of like a younger, hotshot kind of type. And he walks in this meeting, and uh, he's like, we're going to do a sequel. At the time, sequels were, like, not something you'd put out in theaters. It was, like, a straight-to-home video kind of release thing. He gets the poster, he rolls out the poster for Alien, and he just draws a dollar sign at the end of Alien. It makes Aliens with a dollar sign. (laughs) (laughs) And is like, this is what we're making. And it, it like, struck immediately. They were like, oh, fuck, we're just going to throw a lot of money at this. He presented it to them like, hey, this is going to be humans versus aliens instead of just, um, you know, one sole survivor trying to outlive one alien. We've got... You know, this, like, the, the the queen alien and then all the little uh, xenomorphs running around. Like, this is going to be, a, a like, an action movie. And it, the studio was like, yeah, sure, dude, do what you want to do. And I think it's really interesting because you look at the difference between the Terminator and Alien and then how they moved the sequels forward. This very much feels like a test run for a different movie on this list. And I think it rocks. I just don't think that this is one that I love as much as his other movies. Yeah, yeah. Aliens, number six. I think the first true hot take of the list. Um, Which means we are back to you, Alden. What do you have at number five? Or lower, if it hasn't been placed. Well, my lower is... I'm not mentioning it. So at my number five, I have the first Terminator. Oh, Jesus. Uh... If I veto, I'm putting the Abyss. Josh, do you want to try to save the first Terminator? If I veto, I'm putting Avatar. So (laughs) what do we want to do here? (laughs) (laughs) That seems like we're at a standoff. I mean, I could put the Abyss there, but it's also Alden's number one. And I know you don't have Avatar number one. I don't think you're that crazy. No, I'm not. I really tried to be that bold, but I couldn't do it. I was almost that bold. I, cu- I couldn't do it. Man, okay. I The first Terminator can't go here at number five. Yeah, fuck it. The Abyss. I'm vetoing. Hmm. <laughs> I get what The Abyss is doing, and I like the movie a lot. Like I said, the production design, the setting, the special effects, the amount of underwater shots, it's really impressive. I think it's kind of one of the first 
movies that James Cameron did where simply another person couldn't have done this movie. The Terminator is the James Cameron movie. I mean, it it launched his whole career. It made Arnold Schwarzenegger a household name. Sure, he had done the documentary Pumping Iron. Uh, yes. He turned a subject from an Academy Award-winning documentary into a household name and arguably the biggest action star of all time in a single movie. Like, The Terminator is, I think, one of the most influential blockbusters of the 1980s, if not the most. I think it's one of the best sci-fi movies ever made. And I love how it simultaneously works as a thriller as a like cat and mouse kind of there's a there's a assassin trying to track down a person but it's also this like heady time travel story and i mean well, it was like before back to the future and stuff like this kind of brought time travel into the mainstream i agree with all that we praised it so much in the time travel video it it is dual to takes fact that it's the greatest time travel movie of all time better than donnie darko <laughs> but it was able to have like all these subgenres in it where it is this like it has like this horror element then it also has this romance element then it has a bit of action like that's that is what i love about james cameron is that he is able to make these big exciting movies and still have all these genres connect and flow so naturally and i think terminator was the start of like him making like movies that I consider masterpieces. I agree, and I, I think that kind of genre blend that you were saying, Josh, is why James Cameron is is as successful of a filmmaker as he is in terms of the financial end. Sure, the, a lot of his movies might be genre-y, they might be a sci-fi movie, they might be an action movie, they might be both, but at the end of the day, the characters and the subplots, everyone in the family finds something to latch on to. And that's kind of like the marketing like internationally for movies like Bollywood movies. There's like random dance sequences and like comedy bits in the middle of the movie. And then it like goes back to being like an action movie. And I think that James Cameron is probably the reason a lot of those international movies tend to do the same thing in terms of tone where you do have sequences where it feels like you're watching a, a like a romance movie or you're watching a, uh, a comedy in the middle of a, you know, an action sci-fi thriller. Alden, you want to sing the praises of the abyss? You want to try to sell me on why it's better than Terminator? Uh, all I have to say about the Terminator is you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Both of you. Um, but I don't like it as much as the four movies I put above it. So what, what don't you like about Terminator? I'm not really sure. I think it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. I'm not really sure what part. I do like Terminator 2 better than the first one. I knew this list was not going my way, so I just I did what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, did you know that O.J. Simpson was the original uh, pick to play the Terminator? Uh, I did know that, and I find that hilarious. Yeah, and James Cameron actually turned the studio's choice down for that. He said that uh, no one would believe that uh, O.J. Simpson could be a killer. <laughs> Sentences aged like a fine wine. How would public opinion of O.J. have changed if he was in The Terminator? I think that that would be a very interesting episode of Marvel's What If. <laughs> By the way, I'm pissed that show's animated. I don't know if we talked about that on, Mon on uh, Sunday, the last episode we recorded. Why is that uh, animated show? It's easier to cast. It looks like a Star Wars, uh, I don't know if you remember that, like, Disney XD show, not Rebels, but Star Wars Resistance. It looks like that same animation. I've never been a, 
a huge fan of that type of animation. Uh, the Marvel What If was, like, the only thing out of this Disney Plus lineup that I was actually, like, curious about. All my interest is gone. I thought we were going to get A-list actors reprising their roles for, like, one episode where, like, or what if Tony Stark didn't build the Iron Man suit and just died in the cave and we'd have a cool little, like, character study of him dying in a cave. Like, I thought we'd get cool shit like that. Yeah, I noticed some of the what-ifs are just, like, I, I don't care. Like, <laughs> some of them just don't make sense. Like, the only one that was cool to me was that maybe Peggy Carter becomes the super soldier instead of, uh... Steve Steve Rogers. I knew that one was going to happen. I knew that one from the announcement of What If that she was going to be Captain America. She can't be Captain America. She's British. I guess. There is a Captain Britain. Gross. Sweet. All right. The Abyss at number five. Sorry, Alden. It made the top five, though. That's all I was hoping for. Let's see. So Alden just went... Josh, your turn at number four. Oh, man. Do I cause chaos or do I play it safe? I mean, I think the movie you tried to place at seven is probably going here, right? Yeah, I, I should... How chaotic can you really be? I could be chaotic and say Terminator 2 right now. That's too chaotic. That's too chaotic. That's too chaotic. <laughs> Don't you dare make me pin those two head-to-head. <laughs> that would be... I feel like that'd be too much chaos because... It is number three on my list, but Avatar, of course, was lower, so theoretically I should just put Avatar here. Four is where Avatar rests on my list. I was trying so hard to get this in the top three. I rearranged it with... Because, like, the way I see it is it's kind of like a rock-paper-scissors game. Like, Terminator and Terminator 2 work so well for me, where it's like, those aren't really, like... Those are solid. Those are locked where they are on my list. I can't really move those too much. But there's elements of avatar that i like a lot more than titanic and then there's elements of titanic that i like a lot more than avatar yeah i've got one movie that's higher and another one that's lower but it's like a dice roll one of them could go in the other spot and they could swap it's billy zane that won you over right <laughs> it is billy zane that won me over he's a way 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 better antagonist than uh what's his face steven lang in uh avatar he's he's too good he's too good in that movie he steals the whole thing he really does <laughs> we'll talk a little bit more about titanic now but uh avatar number four it only makes sense it does. Uh, I'm happy to see it on the top half of this list and not the bottom half. I think Avatar is one of those movies that is going to go down as a generation-defining movie. Not for us. Definitely not for us. But for the baby boomers. <laughs> for the people that were so depressed that they couldn't live in the world of Pandora after seeing this movie in theaters that... Uh, boomer suicide rates actually went up which is really sad and actually quite tragic i i hate to hear that is associated with this movie but i think it's so interesting the highest grossing movie of all time still currently is so culturally irrelevant here in the west no one talks about avatar no one could you tell me the main character's name of avatar right now without looking at anything alden yeah what's his name it's jake sully right yeah it is that sounds fake <laughs> <laughs> It does sound fake, and I think the most memorable character they killed off. Well, I stand corrected. <laughs> what was tough for me when it came to Avatar was I did not experience it in a theater, and I really wish that I did. I was hoping for like a... Bro, I saw it in IMAX 3D. It was perfect. I was hoping for like a 10th anniversary re-release, but I don't think it ever, ever one occurred. Maybe for the 15th anniversary. I just want to see it in IMAX at some point. I just think James Cameron is a coward in not releasing things in theaters. 
He literally postponed the production of the second movie because Star Wars was announced. He didn't have a 10th anniversary because Avengers was around. He did do a special limited release in China around the new year to make a lot more money and push it back over Endgame, which I think is brilliant. I agree. I think when Avatar 2 eventually comes out, most theaters are probably going to be doing a double feature IMAX thing. Like, probably. Because Avatar is so big. That's like seven hours. Do I want to sit there and watch <laughs> seven hours of Avatar? Yeah, I actually, I, I do. Um, we're we're going to do that. Um, just to let you guys know <laughs> i'll be there I, I literally can't wait and i think th there's definitely a lot of memes around avatar 2 and it's like you know how good can it really be Th this movie's been in production for like over a decade like it's probably gonna be a bomb or whatever but i don't think you can sleep on james cameron the fact that he's like made this his sole focus for the past decade this movie's gonna be nuts it's definitely gonna be visually impressive without a doubt the amount of underwater <laughs> cinematography we're going to see, the amount of, like, CGI and, like, the first Avatar movie looks great still. I mean, I think there's definitely aspects of uh, the world that could be better in terms of, like, maybe the lighting. I think, like, some of the shadows and stuff look very much like, oh, I feel like I'm playing, like, a Xbox 360 video game, but... In terms of, like, the design and the composition, there's a reason, despite the lack of cultural relevancy, they still have an entire land at fucking Disney World's uh, Animal Kingdom dedicated to Avatar's Pandora. Like, th there's a reason. It's iconic design, and it's one of those things that's going to stick with people longer than the story, longer than the characters. P you talk about Avatar, and people are like, are you talking about the Airbender or the Blue People? And it's a shame. M. Night will be talking about that movie in a... Uh... In a little bit. We're like three weeks away from an M. Night Shyamalan ranking. That's going to be nuts. But yeah, I, I agree. It's like visually very impressive. And uh, I hope I'm wrong. I truly hope I am wrong. I think Avatar 2 is going to be awesome. I think it's going to be the Terminator 2 or the Aliens to the original Avatar. I think it's going to change the way we look at this franchise. And then there's th three more movies that I have no idea what's going to happen in those. They all have titles though, right? I don't know. I know one of them does, at least. Calling it the way of the water is not a good start. Is that the like actual one? Because I've seen others for it as well. No, there's an official poster for it. Awesome. <laughs> Well, Vin Diesel's in the movie, so we know it's going to be about family. <laughs> I, I remember seeing The Way of the Water on one of the posters, but I don't remember much beyond that. Um, I don't know. Zoe Zeldana, Stephen Lang, they're all on the cast list for all five movies. Do you think we're going to actually see these coming out every other year like they're supposed to? Did they give them, like, Marvel-type contracts where they're like, have like five movie deals probably definitely not in 2009 i think they might have gotten another four movie deal thing in avatar 2 that's insane how like confident they are the cast lists are all the same they made like billions of dollars i don't know it's one movie though and i don't we've had 10 years of technology for imax to kind of hit its like I don't know what what if it's not in VR. What's gonna like impress me visually now? Uh, 
hopefully sound design. IMAX needs to catch up though. IMAX is falling behind in visual quality and their sound quality compared to Dolby. I don't know. I'd say sound for Dolby, but no, even projectors like IMAX is not um, controlling the standard of their projector quality between theaters either. It's becoming more and more like apparent with 4K movies and everything. I don't know. James Cameron sold me on the Nintendo 3DS. He told me 3D was the future. Yeah, but did you buy a 3D TV? No, absolutely not. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> 3D TV should have been in everyone's home right now. Should have been. Well, Michael Bay tried to sell us on the curve and then had stage fright and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the best videos on the internet. Prove me wrong. All right, so Avatar at number four. I'm happy to see it there. I'm happy that it made the top half of the list because it deserves to be there. 100%. I love Avatar. All right. Here's where things are going to get kind of nutty. We have the top three. Vetoes are null. Uh, we've got, in order of release, Terminator, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and the Titanic. Josh, you said you have Judgment Day at the lowest spot. You said you have that at number three. I do, but it's going to be really hard to debate this. I'm not. I'm going to set this one out. <laughs> <laughs> I have Judgment Day at number three, and everything else is below it. I have the first Terminator here at three. I feel like every time we do a Duel of the Takes episode regarding Terminator 2, I have to be the hater. I just want to say that I love this movie. I think it is one of the greatest action movies of all time. Um, I do not deny that whatsoever. It all comes down to just what I like in a movie, and the slow-paced horror aspect of the first Terminator I just like better as a film. I Terminator 2 could be a lot more fun. I love the twist in the first act of the movie. I was lucky to not know much about the Terminator franchise when I like watched these movies for the first time, so I actually got to experience what the audience experienced way back in 1997. It's a really tough debate for me have i ever told you guys the very weird story behind my viewing or order of the terminator movies yeah you saw two first right <laughs> yeah so i saw two at a friend's house like during a sleepover and his like little brother had to explain to me the plot of the first terminator movie while i'm watching terminator 2 and like my mind's just being blown because i was like the age of the kid in the movie and it's this insane action movie like the best i had seen up until that point I think I was probably like 10 or 11 watching Terminator 2 for the first time ever being explained by a six-year-old the plot of the first Terminator movie. <laughs> and I was hooked immediately. Watched the whole movie all the way through and was like, okay, well, I've got to watch whatever the heck the first Terminator movie is then. So I think like that day, or like I guess the day after the sleepover, I go back to like to my house and I'm like, hey, dad, do we have Terminator on like VHS or DVD or anything? He's like, let me check. He goes down into the basement where we have a huge DVD collection. He's like, I guess we don't. He starts the car. He's like, we're going to go buy Terminator. Go to like a, a Walmart or something. Buy Terminator on DVD and watch the movie for the first time the day after I saw Terminator 2 for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> it was like reverse order of the way I should have watched it, but I, I enjoyed both movies so much. I think where it comes down to for me is like when I think Terminator and I think like the iconic like Arnold Schwarzenegger moments, hasta la vista, baby, all of like the actual like Arnold Schwarzenegger moments are in Terminator 2. In the first movie, he's kind of a silent antagonist for the most part. I mean... He says, you know, where's Sarah Connor and all that, but it's very, it's very stilted. It's very robotic, but that's also 
that's just kind of where I think my preferences lie over the first Terminator movie. I like the aesthetic more. I like the production design. I like how gritty everything feels. Like, as as good as the action is in Terminator 2 and as cool as the visual effects are with the uh, T-1000, uh, it's, not, it's not on the same level of, like, that nightclub scene in the first Terminator where it's just, like, an 80s nightclub, like playing loud like late italian disco music and there's just this dude in a trench coat going and like trying to kill people it's like it, it feels a lot more like the terminator movie takes place like the first terminator movie takes place in the real world whereas like the second one is like i'm watching a movie and i think like that suspension of disbelief is really what makes the first terminator stronger is it's like this feels like it's just grittier and i, I guess it probably comes down to the budget by the time Terminator 2 rolled around, James Cameron was arguably the most successful filmmaker in in the industry. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Aliens made so much money, like he pro- like like he projected in drawing a dollar sign at the end of the first Alien poster. <laughs> the the marketing for this movie was really good. The Guns N' Roses song with it, and the shotgun coming out of the roses in the mall. Yeah, bro. It was perfect. They knew what they were doing. Well, and like at the same time, like like the like Linda Hamilton's character Sarah Connor acts in the movie, in the marketing, they made it look like the Terminator. They made it look like Arnold Schwarzenegger was gonna be the villain again. And you see this dude in a cop uniform, and you're like, oh, that's probably like the new guy from the future who's gonna come and save the day. And it's totally flipped on its head, and it says a lot about James Cameron's pretty woke, bro. This was the early '90s. Cops were not a hot commodity back then, <laughs> in terms of like people didn't want to see a main character that was just a goody two shoes cop. But in the marketing, that's what it looks like. Terminator Two is like a brilliantly marketed movie, and. Y- it's so cool how it flips the first movie on its head beyond Alien. Alien, like, Terminator 2 is like if the Xenomorph from the first Alien movie turned out to be the hero of Aliens. Like, it's so cool to turn the movie monster into one of the coolest action heroes ever, fighting a more advanced robot than itself. I, I think it's it's so cool. And he's, like, this private bodyguard for, like, a kid and all the stuff with uh, with John Connor riding around on his dirt bike and, like, hacking ATMs. It's like, this is a cool kid. It's like most movies where they focus on, the, like, uh, the main character being, like, a child actor or whatever, they usually are kind of shit. Yeah, I can't really argue that. <laughs> it's... I also like how they add to the world building, too. They add to, like, trying to go back to like stop skynet from being created to begin with that's what i love about the first terminator is that they leave you wanting more yeah that's that's a good point but you're right it expands on skynet and everything um the use of practical effects um the cgi was revolutionary at the time but even the use of the practical effects in the movie arnold's hand when uh when you see like his actual robot hand um all that's Right. Just the the chase sequence right after the mall where the, they're driving through like those like giant alley like gutter things and they're on the motorcycle and they're being chased by a semi truck like that's that's not like how they would do that today like they would either rent a private highway space and do it like they did like in the Matrix two or it would just all be CGI but they're like actually driving and wrecking cars and motorcycles in this chase scene and it's it's really cool like the. There's a reason why I think Terminator 2 is going to go down as, like, one of the best action movies indefinitely. 
I think it's up there with like Die Hard in terms of like it's gonna continue to age well because of the like attention to detail with the practical effects and for its time those groundbreaking visual effects really like th that was like next level stuff in the same way that like Avatar was this was even before Jurassic Park yeah that, was it I thought this was like ninety seven Terminator two came out in nineteen ninety one did it oh yeah you you're right why am I thinking. Titanic was uh, 97. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Got my uh, facts mixed up. Titanic, the awkward middle child in this debate. Uh, <laughs> does anyone have that at three or lower? This came out July 3rd. The, an the anniversary was uh, a couple of yes. couple, a week ago or two weeks ago. No, Titanic's my number one. <laughs> Based. I've hinted it for months. I think Titanic is... It, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think this movie is awesome. Uh, I think it's one of the best uh, romance movies, whatever it's called. Um, as uh, as Bill Simmons would say, Titanic's still number one. Um, <laughs> when, you talk of, when you talk about the highest grossing... I forget what his exact quote was, but he mentioned something about like Titanic like uh, being number one, and I thought that's... Wasn't when like Avengers Endgame passed Avatar, and he was like, well... Titanic's still number one in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, some <laughs> it was something like that. Uh, he's great. I I don't know if they have a rewatchables episode of Titanic yet, but it, they do have one of Terminator Two, and it's really good. Highly recommend listening to that. And um, but Titanic, I mean, uh, James Cameron. I mean, we talked about him kickstarting Arnold's career. I know his career was already like going high, but I mean, when you think of Leonardo DiCaprio. This is one of the first movies you think of, no matter who you are, like, when you, like, this movie's gonna pop up when you think of Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, the first three movies, when I think DiCaprio, that come to my head are Titanic, Wolf of Wall Street, and Inception in that order. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I also think of Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, Catch Me If You Can's up there, too. When it comes to, uh, when we, when we talked about how the effects were in Terminator 2, I think Titanic was just as revolutionary to see... Um, cause I think the boat itself cracking, that was all practical, right? That was a model. Yeah. I think it looks great. And they like flooded sound stages and shit for the, the parts where the boat's sinking, like the internal shots there, the interiors are all like sound stages that they were just flooding with hundreds of gallons of water. The set design is gorgeous. I think cinematography wise, this is James Cameron's best looking movie. Uh, when it just comes on like just pure, like beauty of a movie, um, uh, he, he was. I think he was just able to. Um, the movie feels like really historically accurate. As like, I mean, we talked about the set design and everything. And I I love the story. I love the characters. I love that it bounces back between present day and then back then. I like how it starts that they're looking for this like necklace and um, usually like. In any other movie, I feel like you would you would call that like the worst part of the movie. But I actually found it entertaining and found those characters um, entertaining also. I think it's a masterpiece. I think it gets too much hate from because a lot of people look at it as like, oh, it's just Leonardo DiCaprio romance movie, big deal. But I no, I think it's like a huge part of film history that's starting to get overlooked for some reason. It got a little... Uh, it was re-released in theaters, I think, in 3D, so it got a little uh, resurgence there uh, when it came to people talking about Titanic again, but I think more people need to talk about this movie more when it comes to just the history of film. 
All right, so if my math is adding up here. Alden and Josh, you guys both have Terminator 2 Judgment Day at number three. I have it at three, but I have... But he has Terminator lower. Oh. I have Terminator and Titanic lower. It is my highest of these three. <laughs> this is wild. Uh... <laughs> Alden, what do you think belongs here at number three? <laughs> uh, Titanic. Uh, I think the first Terminator should go here. I'm fine with the first Terminator going here. I'm fine with that decision. But this is... We just we just sang the praises of these movies, but this is tough. Yeah, I, uh, I was going back and forth in my head between Terminator and Terminator 2, and then kind of titanic in terminator 2 when building my list i was like there's out el- like if i had to choose which one i'd rather watch between terminator and terminator 2 i'm gonna pick terminator 2 100 and then it when it comes down to which one would i rather rewatch right now between titanic and terminator 2 that's a lot like more that's more of a gray area kind of question because it's like terminator 2 definitely for the action but for like the characters, for that, pro- for the production design, for the costumes, for like Billy Zane, like Titanic is is definitely like a more entertaining movie in a lot of ways. It's also like three hours and fourteen minutes long and doesn't feel like it at all. I forgot Mr. Fantastic plays one of the officers also. <laughs> yeah, he does. And Kathy Bates is hilarious in this movie. Kathy Bates is just. She steals every scene. Kathy Bates is always hilarious. We talked about Billy Zane earlier. I mean, how did Billy Zane not get a super uh, hero villain role after this movie? Well, he did play a superhero before this movie. Right. But I feel like after this... He, he played the Phantom. <laughs> I feel like after this movie, it's like you look at him like, this guy could have been like Ocean Master. <laughs> I mean, he still could. Yeah. I mean, he's... 55. Oh, he's only 55? Yeah, I thought he would. He was older. I figured he'd be older. Holy shit. No, Billy Zane needs to be, um... Yo, put him in the Batman sequel. What Batman villain could he play? You know what? No, just make him Doctor Doom. Oh, shit. That'd be tight. Yo, I like that a lot. I would buy my ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know where they're going with the casting for Fantastic Four, but if the rumors are true and it's Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, uh, he'd be the right age. He's just a little bit older than them. Victor Garber's also good in this. Victor Garber, for some reason, is an actor that like I, I feel like I only ever see in like period pieces. So when I think of him, I always think of him like in like not this century. <laughs> He's in like uh, what uh, Argo. Um, I'm trying to think what else. He's in Milk. Yeah, he's in a bunch of period dramas, for sure. Um, Alden, why do you have Titanic so low? Bro, we've been over this. I don't like Titanic. We haven't been over this. Please elaborate. Okay. (laughs) I really don't want to, but... It kind of really comes down to, I watched it when I was pretty young, didn't really care for it at all, and it just left a bad taste in my mouth, so I've not, not really liked it since. So this is a Sorcerer's Stone situation. No but similar what's the take on uh the old rose scenes i personally think they did they kind of ruined the movie but they're like they're so brief and it's just at the beginning and end where i kind of forgive it i like those scenes <laughs> <laughs> okay i think i think the those scenes like tie the movie with a nice bow because i don't know where you go with like that like that end of the movie and uh i like bill paxton in it too <laughs> yeah fresh off of like twister yeah like i think it filmed the same year <laughs> yeah that's another interesting thing you talk about twister like there was kind of like a in the late 90s there was like a resurgence of like the 70s disaster movies 
And I think that's kind of why like Titanic was as big as it was. One, I mean, you have James Cameron at the height of his powers, fresh off of Terminator 2 and True Lies, making another big movie. I mean, the marketing for this movie must have been insane. If I was, like, alive for it, I probably would remember it. We we talked about music with Terminator 2. I mean, the song, uh, the Celine Dion song, I can't think of a bigger movie tie-in song. Yeah, it's huge. My Heart Will Go On is probably one of the, like, it's it's a James Bond song for an act, like just a random movie. You know like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We don't really get that anymore. The only thing I could think of was when they like tried to get like who was it? It was like it was like Miley Cyrus and uh <coughs> Oh, when they did that Charlie's Angels remake or like reboot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had that Don't Call Me Angel song with uh Ariana Grande and uh All then I saw that movie in theaters. Yeah, we um we did. We did do that. Why did we do that? The marketing of that alone. I mean, the score works into the movie tie-in song. I don't. I can't think of another example of that. Lana Del Rey. That's who's also in that song. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's all over the place. Why do I not remember the song? Don't call me Angel. Do I need to pull in the Groovy Bot right now? <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember it because it wasn't "My Heart Will Go On" by Celine Dion. That was my whole point in saying that, like, they don't really do like giant pop ballads for like non James Bond level movies you know it's like so what what i'm hearing which may not be what you're saying is that shrek is on the same level as titanic what i'm saying is titanic armageddon there was a resurgence of 70s disaster movies twister hey like what what is an interesting scenario but like in terms of premise titanic's got to be the strongest based off of a real life thing that happened it's a tragic event but it was also like 80 years ago or something when this movie was made it kind of has ties to the early parts of film history as well like it was right around the time the movie was starting to be made for the first time like there's a reason why i think this thing kind of like got so many nominations and was also like kind of like cool to hate for so long because it was like just so big you couldn't avoid it it was like the biggest movie of the year it was in theaters for like six months yeah the only thing that does that now is like kids movies <laughs> like frozen 2 will be in theaters for six months we just don't get movies like this anymore it's an original story i wouldn't say dicaprio was an a-list actor at that point definitely a teen heartthrob but yeah i mean definitely not the leonardo dicaprio we know of today it Every, like, just everything. It was perfect timing for everybody that was a part of that movie. Yeah, Titanic was, like, right after Romeo and Juliet and, like, Basketball Diaries, I guess. It was before he did, like, The Beach and Gangs of New York, Catch Me If You Can. This was definitely, like, the thing that catapulted him to, like, mainstream. No doubt. On the opposite end of the coin, like, Terminator 2 is kind of everything. I, I think it's, like, the James Cameron masterpiece. Because, like, Titanic kind of stands out. He doesn't have any other, like, period dramas. Doesn't have any other, like, romance movies. Most of of his movies are genre movies they're action they're sci-fi they're uh at the very least uh, cerebral to some capacity and titanic is like it's so different from everything else he's made where i feel like it doesn't truly capture his style but what's so cool about titanic is it's almost two different movies in one you have like the setup in the world and these characters on the ship and like class divide lovers and like that that's the first half of the movie and then shit hits the fan and it turns into like this disaster kind of action movie 
It's it's so interesting. It, there's nothing else like it, really. I'm trying to think of another movie that has like a giant tonal shift right in the middle, and it becomes something entirely different. But none of them do that as well as Titanic. The movies pace so well. Like you remember like key scenes and when those like when the arcs were like changing. Same with Terminator Two. Also, it's paced really well. I remember uh, we had two VHS for just Titanic. Oh yeah, no, it was a it was a two parter VHS tape. The only movies in my collection that had two tapes were Titanic and Casino, and they're both absolute masterpieces. <laughs> uh. <laughs> if I'm getting nitpicky, this is this is a bit of a hot take. The third act of Terminator 2 kind of drags for me, but I also kind of said the framing device with old Rose at the beginning and end of Titanic kind of drags for me a little bit too. I also think the sheer stupidity of Jack drowning in the ocean, like the easiest thing to bash about the movie is like, it's kind of cringe. The guy's made it all the way through this. He survived this far and he has to have this tragic death because he's freezing and falls into the water and dies like dude there was definitely room on that door for two people <laughs> the only bro moment i have in terminator 2 like a nitpicky bro moment is when like they try to explain skynet in that one scene and i'm like I, what's going on definitely takes a couple rewatches to catch up to that it's also pre-internet so they're trying to explain like a cloud technology thing like 20 years before that was even invented <laughs> But yeah, that's true in Titanic also. Um, DiCaprio's character, Jack, is also just a... It's such an easy character to cheer on to because it's a very, like... I mean, this guy, like, he won tickets to get on Titanic from, like, from a poker game. And, like, he's he's on this... It's kind of tragic because he's on this ship saying, I'm the king of the world. Like, he was just lucky to be there and it does end in tragedy and that. But he also found happiness dude he got to paint her like one of his french girls <laughs> <laughs> how base was he at the end when he knew uh it wasn't gonna work out and he kind of told her like to never let go but also be like hey like live a live a life like live a great life yeah cuck me from the grave please <laughs> she ended up like having a life in that and it like i don't know it it also um I, and i like how the movie ends where you see the entire cast as like this like reunion uh, however like uh you want to theorize of what that ending actually is i i think it's just a solid end to the movie no matter what you think of it alden between terminator 2 and titanic which one do you like more terminator 2 and why <laughs> <laughs> i do not have any fun watching titanic does it feel too much like history class to you is it too historically accurate bro the first time i watched abyss was an oceanography <laughs> well that would have been a cool thing to say when we were talking about the abyss alden what the fuck i uh i don't think it would have helped gonna be honest my favorite subject was history titanic number one i like the uh the guys playing like the violins and shit as the ship's sinking yeah <laughs> you really remember the supporting cast um i really don't but that's fine <laughs> But you also remember the supporting cast of Terminator 2. Who plays, uh, Joe Morton plays Miles Dyson. He's, he's great in that role. I think with, um, Robert Patrick as the T-1000, I think is one of the most slept on movie villains. He's awesome. Yeah, and getting to see John and Sarah Connor together is also something that's, like, really cool. Because, like, the whole first movie's building up to, like, literally the conception of John Connor. So it's, like... You know, can't wait to see who this guy, like, turns out to be. He's going to save the world from the cyborgs, like, from the fucking Terminators. 
and it's like just some like punk kid who needs to get a haircut <laughs> it's like oh shit this is like not that far in the future and uh i think the set pieces in terminator 2 are what make it such a good action movie because it's like we go from <laughs> they're at the mall they're in the arcade then they're on this giant chase scene then they're breaking the mom out of the mental institution then they go on the road and they're running away and then they go to miles dyson's house and try to assassinate him it's like it's all over the place it's it's incredible no i was about to go complete kind of off topic where i was like it reminded me of like uh, spoilers for terminator 3 but how terminator 3 has one of the most awkward endings i've ever seen for a film i've literally only seen terminator 3 one time and i just kind of deleted it from my memory yo rewatch it because that ending you're it's just like it's just like it's like that simpsons where it's like well, what the hell it just like ends like so awkwardly like i remember being like because uh, at the time this was a pre-genesis or dark fate thing like and then you had the prequel and salvation so this was it <laughs> for for terminator and you're just like huh yeah it just it doesn't make sense why to do another like ah, it's it's a shame that the terminator franchise continued beyond judgment day because i guess that is kind of one of the weakest things about it and you can't really avoid it in conversation people still know what terminator is because they still churn out really shit terminator movies and like everything beyond the first two that james cameron directed are not worth your time in my opinion salvation's cool linda hamilton coming back in that dark fate trailer though it's because of terminator 2 why we all were hyped for a little bit there yeah no she's totally unhinged when they first find her in this movie and i think that's one of the things i really like is in a lesser movie you would just have her survive the events of terminator 1 and she'd be like oh well i guess this is just the world we live in but she's like crazy she's trying to like tell the whole world that you know the skynet's a thing and they're gonna kill everyone and she's like haunted by the traumatic past and that's like a realistic take on what would happen if someone lived the events of the first terminator movie and some dude traveled back from the future to fuck her and conceive a child that she doesn't get to raise because everyone thinks she's insane it's it's so it's good writing it's strong characterization it's great they took the damsel in distress and made her the badass, like, muscle of the movie, essentially. Like, I know Arnold's there, but, like, you're just in awe of how awesome Linda Hamilton is. <laughs> Dude, the scene where he's trying to assassinate Miles, D- M- Miles D- uh, Dyson with, like, the sniper, and she, like, shoots him in the leg. It's like, holy fuck. And she's, like, about to cold-heartedly kill him in front of his kids. It's like, this is nuts. I don't really think you could do a movie like that today in terms of having like you get these like black widow movies where they're like hey we need a strong female character and they they look past the character part and they're just like oh we need a strong female so let's have her fall from the sky and jump out of (laughs) jump off of buildings and like look she's not hurt isn't that incredible how strong she is but in terms of like an actual character she's not only trying to protect her son she's trying to protect the entire fate of the world because she knows what's gonna happen it's it's that that's a strong character and it's not just because of her physical strength she should have been what brie larson should have been in captain marvel it's right there it's right there (laughs) that's another interesting thing too between uh ripley and sarah connor james cameron's got pretty strong female protagonists even rose to a certain degree in titanic yeah i mean going back to avatar you have um what's her name uh zoe zeldana oh her too she's essentially the uh the leader I think at the end, right? Natiri is the leader of what's left of the Navi. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure in the sequel, she's 
like we're gonna see that more also yeah she's gonna be like the chief of them like the the leader probably because like her father was the leader and his character gets killed right yeah it was during the the when they cut down the tree right yeah the world tree center <laughs> uh avatar and wally had like the same ending huh <laughs> oh where they plant the new tree yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh and they came out like almost the same year <laughs> Those movies always have the same energy to me. Fern Gully's up there, too. <laughs> we have to make a decision where we've delayed this so much. I, I, I'm I, right there with you. I know Titanic's my number one, but I'm also like, do I sway? Let me, let me guess your top three. You have Terminator 2, Titanic, then Terminator 1. No, I have Terminator 2, Terminator, then Titanic. Honestly, but I mean... All three of those could be switched around. This this was like the toughest like top three we have had in a while on Duel of the Takes. You've got your whole family sitting around the television. Okay. Maybe it's Christmas. Probably not. You know, there might be an aunt or an uncle there. You got your mom, your dad, you, Grace. Mm -hmm. Your options are watching Terminator 2 Judgment Day or Titanic. What is going to please everyone in the room? Um, Titanic. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking, too. That's where I gotta lean. I had to watch... I don't think my parents or Grace have ever seen the Terminator. I know Grace hasn't seen it because I'm um, uh, trying to get her to watch both the Blade Runner movies and the Terminator movies because I'm trying to show her more sci-fi. I was talking with someone recently and they were like, yeah, I had to watch Terminator right after I watched Blade Runner. And I was like, those don't really go together. Oh, yeah, that was one of all these friends. Zach. I think it was Zach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, what a double feature. The weird viewing order. Grace is going to actually watch the X-Men movies for the first time soon. All of them? Uh, Maybe. We'll see what we'll see how it goes. I'm going to start with the original 2001. Yes. Nate, if you ask me the exact same question that you just asked Josh, yes, it would be the opposite. Okay. So I really think it depends on a family. Okay. Your mom, your dad, your your little brother, yourself, maybe an aunt or an uncle. You got to watch either Terminator 2 or Titanic. Which one is, is being turned on? Terminator 2, without a doubt. Only one, maybe two, depending on that aunt or uncle, would want to watch... Uh, Titanic. The only person in my family that would be like, do we really have to watch this, would be my dad for the first like hour of Titanic. And then he'd be totally invested and would love when shit starts hitting the fan. Yeah, ex same here. <laughs> I mean, my dad thinks it's overrated. My brother won't watch it at all. I feel like everyone who thinks it's overrated hasn't watched it in like five years, though. We own it. I mean, yes, he hasn't watched it in a while, but we owned it and i think that's why he thinks it's overrated now you also haven't watched it in a while yep and i don't plan to it's a movie that i think gets better for me with every revisit i wasn't this big of a titanic fan like five years ago this movie was so stupidly big it's so hard to fathom this blew out box office records by a landslide before people were even really looking at that analytic. It was so popular. Have you guys ever been to one of the like novelty Titanic museums or like a traveling exhibit of the Titanic museums? No. I know what you're talking about, yeah. None of that, that entire industry wouldn't exist if it, if it wasn't for how big this movie was. I went to the COSI, the fucking Columbus uh, Science Museum, Children's Science Museum, 
two years in a row on school field trips to do the Titanic experience. And then again in high school, we went to Branson, Missouri for show choir. And they were like, hey, we can do the Titanic Museum. It was the same exact exhibit. This is an entire industry based off of one successful movie. Granted, it's based off of a real historical event, but I don't think there would be a mainstream interest in the Titanic if it weren't for how popular this fucking movie was. I've never been to one of those. I know they exist, but I've never been to one. Here, I'll, I'll pull up some pictures in the Legacy General. They're nuts. Yo, when is uh, when is George Lucas opening that like history of film museum? I don't know. I've heard so many things about it. I know, it sounds so cool. Almost as cool as this Titanic museum. <laughs> Look at that. They have a recreation of this room where Billy Zane shoots off the fucking... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> like the, the head of the... Uh banister or whatever it's called he's such a cuck in this movie dude what if we got married in the branson titanic museum <laughs> for tax purposes in avatar costumes yo dream wedding <laughs> how much body paint would that be well if you're wearing a suit not as much as you think. I guess so. If you just had like a blue morph suit you drew with Sharpie on. <laughs> so one of the weirdest things about this Titanic museum and like every time I did it is they like give you a passport of a passenger on the ship. And so like as you're going, they like want you to kind of like role play as if you're that character. Like, like you know, like, hey, this is a real person who died. So like be respectful, but also like, you know, see if you made it to the end. And every time I got the lowest class citizen, and I always die. I have done this museum. You're Jack. I have done this experience four <laughs> times and have died all four times. I'm over four on surviving the Titanic. <laughs> Do you think Nicholas Worman is just checking out Legacy General of me dropping pictures of the Branson Titanic Museum? Oh, both him and Eamon are online. <laughs> <laughs> They're on their phones. Let's ask Nick what his opinion is. He just texted me right now. He said, hey, man, I'm rewatching some I think you should leave right now. And I was wondering what your favorite sketches were from season two. <laughs> <laughs> he did say that was his favorite show, didn't he? Don't even respond to that and just put Titanic or Terminator 2. <laughs> I'm making a prediction. He will say Titanic. I don't know with him. Yeah, me neither. But I'm hypothesizing Titanic. Yeah, he could also be one of those that thinks it's overrated. He might have not even seen the Terminator movies. Nick sounds like sounds like somebody that hasn't seen those movies, too. Yeah, I don't think he has. Eamon probably has. I, I'm content on Titanic winning. I'm content on Terminator 2 if I, I feel mean by taking the spot. Can I ask for a favor? Okay. Can Terminator 2 go so we can have it in the end of the year bracket? So it could go up against Terminator 1? Yes. Let's just do official votes. I vote for Titanic. Alden votes for Terminator 2. Nate just make the final call, and we'll just go with whatever you say. I'm going to stick with my guns. I have Terminator 2 higher on my list. I'm going to stick with Terminator 2, making it the number one James Cameron movie. There it is. I had to make a judgment call there for Judgment Day. Titanic. <laughs> Today was our judgment day. Titanic just got cucked so hard on Alden's whim. Titanic will come back when we do top 10 movies on a boat. Ooh. Ooh. What are some other movies on boats? Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Jaws. All five Pirates movies. Um, uh, Speed 2. <laughs> <laughs> you know Speed 2 is going way too high with the three of us. Captain Phillips. Oh shit, yeah. Life of Pi. Hook. 
Does Hunt for Red October count? Do submarines count as boats? Yes. It's got to come up to shore eventually. What's that really boring uh, one that Tom Hanks just made for Apple TV Plus that no one watched? Oh. I think there was one with Chris Pine that also came out recently. Ooh, The Life Aquatic, the uh, Wes Anderson movie. That's going to be an interesting list. (laughs) I don't know. The Three Musketeers movie has that flying ship. I'm thinking of flying ship movies. And there's more than... I'm thinking of flying things. They fly now? They fly now. Well, uh, let's have everyone read their personal James Cameron filmography ranked lists. (laughs) Oh boy, where'd it go? (laughs) Alden, you want to go first? Uh, My number eight is Piranha 2. Uh, My number seven is True Lies. Number six is Titanic. Number five is The Terminator. Number four is Aliens. Number three is Terminator 2, Judgment Day. My number two is Avatar. And my number one is The Abyss. Holy shit. That might be the most wild possible list you could have made. Yes. (laughs) All right. My list is number eight, Piranha 2, The Spawning. Number seven, The Abyss. Number six, Aliens. Five, True Lies. Four, Avatar. Three, The Terminator. Two, Titanic. And number one, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Avatar, Terminator, Terminator 2, Titanic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, and the group list is number eight, Piranha 2, The Spawning. Number seven, True Lies. Six, Aliens. Five, The Abyss. Four, Avatar. Three, The Terminator. Two, Titanic. And number one, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Wait, Terminator was my number two, actually. I think I mixed that up. I don't know why I did that. How dare you? There's only four movies and I couldn't do it right. Man, imagine only watching half the movies on this list, Josh. Tisk tisk. Listen, Alden Alden did all of his homework. I was the Alden today, and it was interesting. I didn't watch a single movie for this episode. I've just seen these. <laughs> yeah, because James Cameron is the greatest filmmaker of all time. <laughs> That's a statement. Remember that uh, M. Night Shyamalan where he's on the cover of like Entertainment Weekly and they called him the next Spielberg? Yeah, that was wild. We're definitely bringing that up in a couple weeks when we rank M. Night Shyamalan movies. I uh, may or may not be... Oh, that's got to be in the thumbnail. I may or may not be going to see the premiere of Old. Uh, it's the red carpet. I have to dress up for it on Monday if I go. Oh, <laughs> so you got you to gotta shill then. Yeah, you should go. <laughs> I, I don't have to do that. Well... My options are doing that or going to Scranton, so... Uh... You could uh, you could ask M. Night Shyamalan, Hey, which one do you like better, Titanic or Terminator 2? <laughs> <laughs> Personally asking Shyamalan what his favorite... What his favorite James Cameron movie is? <laughs> that would be a very interesting podcast guest. We've mentioned this multiple times. No, who we've mentioned is Kevin Smith. We will not rank Kevin Smith movies until Kevin Smith is on the show. What if we get Jay instead? (laughs) This was, ended up being a spicy list when it came to takes. I agree. We we all have very different opinions for only being eight movies. Yeah. Yeah, most of our, like, short lists are pretty similar. Yeah. Not today. We didn't talk about it on the podcast yet, but we all saw Black Widow this past week. Oh, yeah, we did. It's a movie. It was a surprise. A surprise where I... It didn't suck. I thought it was good. It's a very, like... uh, It's a spy-type movie towards the end where it kind of feels more like a James Bond movie. Which I'm glad. I'm glad, like, this MCU movie has a little bit of its own theming because I feel like some of these MCU movies are very bland. Like, it's no, like, Ant-Man and the Wasp or anything. 
yeah, I was surprised. That hurts. I don't know why this movie didn't come out in 2016, but here we are. I uh, didn't feel as strongly about it. I think it was okay. It just felt very disjointed for me. Like, there were some pretty good action scenes for being like a like it's in the same vein as like a winter soldier in terms of like hey this is a spy movie so we're gonna like be a little over the top with it um and i thought it was it was fine to have those over the top action sequences but then it was like matched up with really like i mean like pretty well acted dramatic scenes especially the ones with florence Pugh. like she's acting circles around just about everyone else in this movie yeah she's she's awesome yeah i really liked um Rachel Weiss as well. She was great. I wish she had more screen time. Yeah, me too. I kind of wish that she showed up earlier in the movie and was kind of like orchestrating getting the two back together. I guess I thought Fat Martin Scorsese as the villain was pretty cool. <laughs> um, I, I think that the strongest scene in the movie was definitely where he's just beating the shit out of her and she's like letting him do that so that way she can try to break her nose to have the pheromones break to try to eventually beat him up like it seemed right in line with something out of like a 60s james bond movie and i thought that that was cool but i just felt like the movie was kind of a tonal mess like it felt like it needed to have the comedic moments like a normal marvel movie and i feel like if there was ever one to have a departure this would be the one to like just take it straight like play it straight like the fact that they play off the fact that they were like their genitals were mutilated for the sake of this organization and it's played off for laughs is really kind of fucked up especially in uh age of ultron a movie we've shilled recently at least the trailer for that was like supposed to be a dramatic scene where she feels like she's less of a woman because she can't have the hulk's babies it's like this doesn't line up with the character that has already been established in the cinematic universe she wouldn't be making light of something that she was just crying about two years earlier in the timeline the cool thing what i like is you brought up trailers the trailer for Black Widow, like, I thought it was going to be your stereotypical, well, she goes back home with her family, we're going to get some, like, I don't know, cringe family moments and that, but I like that it's not actually her family, and this was all, like, a fake family, and when when she realized that her mom gave her away, and then it's going to, like, oh, we're going to have that stereotypical where uh, she's going to find her mom at the end, no, her, her mom is no more, which... I thought was actually uh, interesting that they actually like didn't they didn't give this character like a lot of um, things to uh, I guess like fall back on as like a uh, not like a redemption but give this character some happiness. The only I guess the only like true like happiness she got back was her relationship with her fake sister in Florence Pugh's character. Uh, yeah. I, thought the trailers kind of did well where they subverted my expectations in a good way because I thought that was going to go a lot more like MCU stereotypical. I don't know what I was really like wanting from this movie. I guess it was better than I expected, but the bar was really, really low for me. I mean, I just thought this was going to be like dead in the water in terms of like enjoyment level. And I thought that there were some pretty cool scenes and set pieces. I don't think I was kind of pissed to see, like, the Taskmaster thing. I remember, like... That was disappointing. People were disappointed with the way that they did the Taskmaster, but I didn't find that any more or less disappointing than the way they did, like, the Mandarin in Iron Man 3, for example. <laughs> I, I thought that it was fine. Like, I thought, like, it made sense with the story. I just think it was dumb that they pulled back the fact that 
earlier in that movie, it was revealed that Black Widow pulled the trigger on executing a nine-year-old girl. I thought that was, like, metal. Like, I was like, this is totally, like, a good way to take this character, because she has to deal with, like, the trauma of her past. And then they're like, in the third act, psych, it was his daughter. <laughs> she didn't die, really. She's still just a robot cyborg guy now. No one's ever really gone. What's the point of making that an emotional scene, of her having to take the life of a child? There's no consequences in any of this. It With the, that scene specifically, I think it kind of helps considering she is dead. Like, her character is no more. This is likely the last time we see her unless there's a flashback. The redemption of that, because that's easily her biggest regret, is helpful to her character. And at the same time, it shows, like, how shitty the antagonist is for... One, like, turning his daughter into a cyborg, and two, then mind-controlling her. So I don't know. That didn't bother me at all. Yeah, I just don't think a movie that has, like, uh, essentially is a, an extended metaphor for sex trafficking should have jokes about genital mutilation. Like, that shouldn't be played for laughs. I don't know. I just feel like this was a tonal mess. <laughs> More so than a normal Marvel movie. <coughs> Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm looking into it a little too much. Maybe I've become uh, a woke monster of a human being, but... Uh, no, I see where you're coming from, and it was a little jarring. This needed a stronger writer, a stronger director, just a stronger vision. Because the person who directed this movie clearly knows how to direct actors. I think the best acting in the entire MCU is in the scene with David David Arbor and Florence Pugh... Uh, in the in the bedroom right, right before they sing American Pie and get attacked by the sleeper agents. Yeah. But, yeah, it just didn't seem like in terms of, like, a tone or a style there was anything, like, new there? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. No, I am, I am kind of with you on that. It doesn't feel brand new, but it is kind of refreshing to have something like this out of the MCU. I mean, I, I feel like it scratches the same itch as Winter Soldier for me. If I want to see, like, a superhero movie, but it's more of a spy movie, I think I'd probably go back to that before I ever go back to this. I think I agree with that. Oh, yeah, I mean, Winter Soldier's better. I still would put this probably in my lower top ten, though. When I say it's one of the best MCU movies, this is coming from a guy who only thinks there's, like, two great MCU movies, so take that into consideration also. Well... There are only two great MCU movies. Well, I added this into my list, and I think I have it higher in my list than it is in yours, Josh. So that's really funny. How <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot more like actively bad ones, <laughs> and this like is somewhere in the middle for me. I, this is at number thirteen. If we're talking about uh, our MCU list, this is uh, right. This is right above the first Avengers, and right under Spider-Man: Homecoming for me. <laughs> All right, I have to look at my list to decide, but. I'm pretty confident with it being in the lower top 10. Yeah, it's probably around there for me. I don't think it would make the top 10 or anything, but I guess we'll find out sooner rather than later. Well, that top 10 is going to be very different. Let's see. Uh, do we want to talk about the future of the MCU? Did anyone watch Loki? Josh, you said you binged that last night, right? No, I was going to. Oh, well, I watched it and I'm not going to say anything about it. No, talk about it. It's better than the other two shows, though. I will say that. I mean, it's the highest rated superhero television show of all time as of right now. Is that saying much, though, for superhero shows? Uh, the Boys is Kino. Yeah. It's had two absolute nine out of ten seasons, in my opinion. I agree. I don't think uh, Daredevil was bad either. But for every show like The Boys, we have, like, a CW show. Oh, we've got five CW shows at least for every <laughs> version of The Boys. But, like, Loki surpassing... 
dude i i don't it's not better than the boys it's not better than invincible either i haven't seen it i might eventually but i don't know if it was a movie rather than six seven episodes i don't know how long the season was uh it would probably also make the top 10 um wow i just i i feel the same way with loki as i do with black widow as characters where i think when they were first introduced they were really interesting and i wanted to see more of them but as they kept bringing them back and as they kept showing up for, like, the team-up movies, it's like there's not really anything left to explore. And I get, like, with Loki, they weren't really exploring the character more. They were more or less exploring the timeline, which I think was probably the way to go. But for, like, Black Widow, it's like, well, this is sandwiched between her events in Civil War and her coming back for Infinity War. So we have a very small window. She can't have a major character change anywhere within here. You know, it's... It kind of stinks because I feel like if we just got something that was more tonally in line with like Atomic Blonde or even that Jennifer Lawrence Red Sparrow movie that wasn't that great, like I feel like that would have been a cooler standout, but that would involve more of a character exchange. And if you go back and watch Infinity War now, do you really like get that Scarlett Johansson just like toppled the entire Black Widow initiative in the Red Room that she was talking about like four movies before? No, you don't like, there's no weight to anything that happened in this movie. I guess that's one thing that can be said about Loki is the stakes from his previous actions and what came after this point in his timeline kind of don't matter for the show. They can do what they want to set up uh, future properties, pretty much. This is definitely trying to set up the multiverse for the next Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and whatever else comes next. It's gonna be a wild year, dude. We still got we still got Shang Chi. We've got um, uh, the Eternals, and we still got Spider Man Three uh, around the corner. Do you guys think the Tom Holland Zendaya thing is a setup? Do you think that's a real relationship, or do you think the executives are kind of toying with uh, with that and pulling some strings? We will find out by the release of the movie. If it lasts until release, I think it's it's probably like a thing. But if it ends up a short-lived whatever that just press picked up then it's probably a uh it's a plant taylor swift tom hiddleston situation oh yeah that was the thing wasn't it didn't really work for them but hey they tried did you see hugh jackman hinted at a wolverine return oh he's been doing that for like four years now did he say in what movie no i think with all this multiverse talks i think it's becoming a lot it makes a lot more sense for him to show up deadpool is uh, properly confirmed deadpool just had a video with korg this week he's in the mcu i don't know like when x-men are going to show up actually with the exception of ralph boner bro <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't count maybe i'll care a lot again when x-men show up i think they're finally getting out of that lull albeit not with every property they're they're releasing right now i think they're still in that low we're getting i don't know i'm still not excited for the eternals or no of course not no i guess what i'm trying to say is there are exceptions to what they've been doing for the last five years well sure they come out with so much content you're bound to like one of it <laughs> yeah that's true i guess i like two out of the last six seven movies and shows maybe more than that the issue is too it's like some of them are just like completely like fine but it's like, and it's also hard to hate on. Like, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is a perfectly fine series. I don't... I don't hate it. I just wish it finished stronger than it did. I thought it did. I thought it just kind of told its story, like, fine, and then it 
yeah, it, it did exactly what it wanted it to do. It wasn't anything outstanding, but it didn't need to be. It's just kind of there, and I, I'm fine with it. I feel like of the three shows, that's the one that feels the most in line with where the MCU's at right now. I felt like WandaVision very much felt like its own thing, <laughs> which is kind of weird because like they kind of need to do something with those characters, or at least with Wanda. And that just kind of, like, it doesn't really feel connected to any of the MCU, at least not yet. And I think that's why people were like, oh, this is going to lead into the multiverse and get us to where we... It didn't do any of that. No. It didn't do anything until an after Korean, after credits scene on the last episode. Speaking of after Korean, um, did you guys <laughs> catch the post credit scene with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and... Uh, <laughs> black widow because i only watched it i couldn't hear it because we were pulling out of the drive-in <laughs> what happened is veep in the mcu so major major spoilers for both this and the falcon and the winter soldier she showed up in the falcon and the winter soldier show and at the end um uh the captain america wyatt russell uh becomes the u.s agent which is kind of like the evil version of captain america and then her character is essentially kind of like an evil version of Nick Fury, where she's putting together kind of these uh, this team to go against the Avengers. And now in the the end of this film, she uh, she's I guess Florence Pugh's already on the team because she was already talking about that she's on vacation and stuff. So she's already she's already part of whatever she's putting together. And now it's hinting towards the Hawkeye show because. Uh, she showed up. She showed her a picture of Hawkeye and was like, "Ah, oh, this is the guy that killed your sister. There he is." Ah, it's kind of a hint towards the Hawkeye show. Gotcha. Yeah. So you think Florence Pugh's the villain of the Hawkeye show? Then is that where that's heading? I don't think she'll be the villain, but she will be an antagonist for the first few episodes, without a doubt. Yeah, she'll realize what happened, and then they'll probably team up. She might even kill him. That would be great if they did that, but I don't think they will. There's no way she'll just become <laughs> she'll just become part of the uh, she'll just be the next Black Widow and she'll join them on whatever Avengers movie comes next. The whole movie was kind of a justification for how uh, uh, how Black Widow could have survived the fall, like the sacrifice fall off that cliff, because she jumps from a fucking exploding spaceship. She falls from she survives like three car accidents that involve an explosion. Like I. I kind of find it hard to believe that Black Widow's actually dead now after watching Black Widow. <laughs> like, I know she's dead. No, she doesn't have to be because of the multiverse, not because she survived the fall. <laughs> <laughs> Literally nothing matters. They can do whatever they want for a story and people will write it off because of multiverse stuff. When I first saw Endgame in theaters, I thought the scene where, uh, where Clint and um, Natasha are trying to like fight each other to see who gets to sacrifice himself was totally very cheesy the first time I saw Endgame, but now standing out, that's one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah. Yes. The Hawkeye and Black Widow friendship is actually one of the more underrated arcs we had in those phases. It's actually done really well. Yeah, I think so too. It, uh, I wish they got to have a movie together. Like, they kept talking about that um, Budapest, I think? Budapest. That's, like, been a running joke throughout all the movies, and then we actually go there in the film, and it's like, man, it would have been cool if that was, like, the Black Widow prequel, where we just got that, because that sounds really cool. That's No, but that's what I always say, is if they had the movie 
at the time that fans were specifically requesting it, that's what we would have gotten. Yeah, probably. That is the exact situation. Yeah, I feel like they missed the boat not giving Black Widow the first female standalone Marvel movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right right after maybe the first Avengers or even right before with like right after Iron Man 2 would have been a perfect time to make this movie. Literally a decade ago. That's when a lot of people thought one was going to happen and here we are in 2021 with Black Widow after she's dead yeah i mean after iron man 2 that's all everybody talked about was black widow definitely the highlight of that movie sam rockwell (laughs) yeah you're right (laughs) is he coming back in these movies ever i heard something about him coming back yeah because i i guess his character is in that uh the thing in from civil war right probably i don't know if they need a that high security prison i thought it would have been cool if he showed up in like a falcon of winter soldier if he could team up with, like, Zemo one day, that'd be really entertaining. Yeah, he, he could have just been, like, an arms dealer that they got down in, like, the third episode or something. Like, oh, we gotta shut down an arms dealer, and it's Justin Hammer or whatever the hell his name was. That would have been cool. Some some way to incorporate him and feel like he's still in there. Like, William Hurt, they pulled that dude out of nowhere for Civil War, and then he shows up again in Black Widow. I'm like, is this dude actually a part of the cinematic universe, or is it just like, oh, we need a military guy, time for him to show up again? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I guess for, like, the time period of those two movies, it it works. Yo, speaking of characters coming back, at the end of the Shang-Chi, tra- Shang-Chi trailer, why is Abomination fighting Wong? <laughs> yeah, why is Wong there, first of all? Why is he fighting Abomination? That might have bought my ticket to Shang-Chi. I already said that's the one I'm looking forward to seeing the most. I think it's going to be the best, and by that I mean probably the worst MCU movie yet, but I'm really looking forward to Is it still being played by Tim Roth? Yeah, I believe so. Really? No way. Uh, Because Tim Roth is coming back for uh, (laughs) She-Hulk. Tim Roth is back in the MCU and is fighting Wong in Shang-Chi. That is so Kino. (laughs) And he's going to be in She-Hulk for some reason, too. Well, Abomination is a Hulk villain primarily, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I guess this will be a hint towards She-Hulk. The cast for She-Hulk looks pretty good. Um... Uh, as I've said on this like podcast before, Hulk is my favorite Marvel superhero, so um, She-Hulk's also very cool. That is actually one of the shows I'll, I'll watch. Yeah, I have no reason not to watch it. Um, I haven't watched any of the MCU shows yet, except the first episode of Loki, the third episode of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and the first two episodes of WandaVision. Well, those are the best episodes of WandaVision. And I'm going to piss people off by saying that. <laughs> I think you were right. I think I pulled out at just the right time. If only I had the right uh, the right call with uh, AMC stock as I did with uh, <laughs> with the MCU TV shows. I would have been in a very different situation right now. And uh, we also got Moon Knight with Oscar Isaac uh, whenever that comes out. Is that a show? Yeah, it's in Disney Plus series. He's getting Disney Plused? He got Disney Plused. <laughs> <laughs> if John Boyega stuck with his Disney contract and got Disney Plus, what MCU character would he be playing? Ooh. Hear me out. This is a scorching hot take. I think he'd be the thing. Oh. <laughs> I I could see that. That'd be interesting. He wouldn't get Disney Plus then, unless there's like a thing spin-off show. When is the Fantastic Four third reboot happening? 
We have no idea. All we know is that it's... The Phase 4 logo looked like the Fantastic Four logo, and that's literally all we know. That That is the logo. That's that's the Fantastic Four logo. But we didn't get a trailer, a date, a confirmation if it's going to be a show and then a movie. I did. I believe Feige did say Fantastic Four is the last Phase 4 movie, which is weird because so we're going to have a phase that doesn't have a team-up movie. Unless they team up with the Fantastic Four. That'd be wild. Spider-Man teams up with them all the time. The They could do like the Future Foundation or whatever it's called. Well, it's the same director as the Spider-Man movie, so... It's, I think it's very possible Spider-Man's going to lead into a Fantastic Four thing. Maybe they haven't revealed anything yet because the Spider-Man movie this December is going to have a hint towards it or something. Maybe a post credit scene or something. I can't see them shoehorning that much into this movie. Have we not learned? I don't know. We got Abomination and Shang-Chi. Anything could happen at this point. Uh, one more piece of news before we uh, we cut this episode. We've got... Uh, did you guys see the trailer for the uh, Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl? <laughs> I did. No. It's Smash Brothers, but with Nickelodeon characters. I thought it was fake oh my god they have rollback net play which means it's gonna have better internet connection than smash brothers oh and it's on switch playstation and xbox and the developers confirmed there is wave dashing this might be <laughs> the new competitive smash brothers game yo you get reptar and the turtles and they said there's tons more characters left to be announced oh my god they we haven't seen anything from fairly odd parents or jimmy neutron yet you get nigel thornberry i'm hoping that nigel Thor thornberry is just a wario clone <laughs> <laughs> i think he has to be yeah all-star brawl looks incredible wow we better get ultra lord the crimson chin oh true uh zim is there we've got Gur. powdered toast man I like that Spongebob's combat is his karate gloves. I'd assume it'd be the same with Sandy. But maybe she just has a gun. Danny Phantom's gonna be overpowered as shit. I'm calling it now. Reptar fighting Helga's funny. Danny Phantom's just gonna have the same moveset as uh, Noob in uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Danny Phantom is gonna be like Mewtwo mixed with Noob Cybot. You're totally right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who's the studio for this? Uh, it's published by Maximum Games, but I don't know who the developer is. Why is that hard to find? Let me try PC Gamer and see if they're based again or not. Ludio City is the name. Ludosity? Ludio City is the name of the developers. Ludosity, probably. I see it, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. This game, uh, could could end smash brothers once and for all <laughs> i was talking with trevor and he was saying this would be no contest if it was cartoon network characters instead of nickelodeon characters but i said spongebob alone is more marketable than any standalone show on cartoon network yes yeah, spongebob at this point's got like mickey mouse energy when it comes to like recognition like the spongebob characters are going to be like the mario characters in this roster where there's going to be like 20 spongebob characters patrick looks cracked not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> is our next recording the draft battle it is next week all right well thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of duel of the takes uh james cameron forever <laughs> <laughs>